Welcome to episode 77 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumer consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed, but with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. 
New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 77 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And I am not just here with Jen Stevens. We have an episode today that I have been looking forward to for quite a while. I am so excited to introduce to you today. We have Scott Nelson on the podcast. He is one of the co-founders of the Juve red light devices that I've been talking about for quite a few episodes now. So Scott, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to the, uh, the uh, conversation. So am I. <laughs> me too. As our listeners know and Jen knows... I've been obsessed with red light therapy and infrared and near infrared for quite a while. I've always been (laughs) historically experimenting with like creating my own devices and all of the things. But I started hearing recently about the Juve device on various podcasts, actually. And I ordered my own device a few months ago and have been absolutely obsessed. So I've been talking about it briefly for listeners, but we wanted to bring on you, Scott, the actual co-founder of the company, and really get into the nitty-gritty and all the science of red light therapy and all that it can do for health and weight loss and just everything. So listeners, I think I think you're going to learn a lot. I think I'm going to learn a lot. I think we're all going to learn a lot. So Scott, well, first of all, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the whole red light therapy world? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm sure there'll be plenty of time to kind of go deep with respect to how this how this works, and and uh, I think we'll try to answer that question of you know, no, it's not woo science. There's a lot of uh, a lot of clinical data to support the therapy. But um, in terms of my background, I've spent my entire professional career in traditional med tech, uh, primarily the, the cardiovascular arena. And so, actually, um, although I'm, I'm based, we're based now in Southern California, uh, we started the company in Minneapolis, and my wife and I and our and our family was there uh, primarily because of, uh, of of my various roles I, I played at, at at companies like Medtron. And Covidian, and some of the some of the devices that I was involved with really over the past fifteen years were things like um, arterial and venous stents and atherectomy catheters, and you know, kind of core traditional med tech. And I say that because when my um, when you know the, the origin story of Juve really starts with my my wife Liz, and the, who's also a co-founder, and then her sister Melissa Strand. Um, who's also a co-founder? They they purchased um, a you know I'm using air quotes here. You can't see me, but it's it's a they they purchased a, a quote unquote red light therapy package at a um, at a local spa in Minneapolis. And they over the course of about eight to ten weeks, they went consistently and saw some really good results. Primarily um, related to some some skin issues, you know, the healing of eczema, the reducing of stretch marks, and things like that. Um, and and so when they when they first brought up the you know the, the concept of you know red light therapy and how excited they were because of my traditional med tech background I thought it was like woo woo I was like there, there's no way that red light therapy does all of these things you know there can't be there can't be science to actually support this um, but sure enough um, you know there, there's there's a lot of science and I'm I'm under you know I'm understating that there's a lot there's over specific to continuous wave light therapy, which we'll get into probably here in, here in a bit, there's over 200 double-blind placebo-controlled studies that speak to the efficacy of red and near-infrared light therapy. So there's a ton of evidence, but, you know, kind of circling back to, the, you know, sort of how we got started is is Liz and Melissa um, really liked the therapy, but it was quite onerous to go to a, a spa, you know, four or five times a week 
um, and, you know, sit in a, sit in a bed for, you know, 30, 40 minutes. And so Melissa, uh, tried to convince her, her husband, Justin, who's an engineer, another, another co-founder, it's kind of a, a, a family business, um, very much so, but, uh, she wanted to convince Justin to build a, um, a red light therapy device that they could use at home. So they could, you know, it'd be a lot more convenient. And then the rest of their family could, could, could use the therapy. And so Justin experimented with several different prototypes early on, um, but quickly realized there's, um, you know, when it comes to light therapy, um, although it can be pretty technical arena, it really comes down to two things. You need to deliver the right wavelengths so that the product needs to deliver, you know, wavelengths that have been proven over and over in clinical studies. And then it also needs to deliver enough power um, um, in typically measured uh, in the, in the, using a metric called irradiance or photon flux. So wavelengths and power are really important in order to experience the benefits um, that have been, you know, shown over and over in these, you know, in, in clinical literature. And so that's what sort of set us down, set, that set us down the path of, 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 of kind of building out a device that was, you know, delivered the right wavelengths, delivered enough power, and also was large enough to treat, you know, um, a, a big portion of your body, ideally your, your full body. Um, and so that's sort of the, you know, that's, that's sort of how, how we got started here at Juve. So that's kind of crazy that your wife's spa endeavor became a whole business <laughs> for you guys. No, and, and, we, and we never intentioned that, you know, there, there was never was an intention to build a company around this at all. But, um, when Melissa specifically, when she did a, you know, she was the first person to sort of kind of go deep um, uh, with with research and trying to figure out like, is there a device that's already available that can, you know, deliver the right wavelengths and the power and ideally is large enough. And you know what what she found along with Justin is that yeah, there were there was quite a few light therapy devices available, and you can still find a lot of them. You know, do a simple Amazon search. Um, but when it came to those kind of three core areas, wavelengths power and then treatment area, um, there, there really wasn't anything, uh, you know, available at the time. You, you know, you, there was a lot of handheld devices, small little handheld devices that you could, you know, use for your face, but you know, most of those, um, were underpowered. So you had to use them for a really long period of time to get any sort of clinically relevant dose of energy, uh, that mirrored what you'd find in clinical research. And so, yeah, we didn't, we didn't really want desire to start a company around it, but there really was, there was nothing really available at the time. And so we, um, thought, well, let's give this a, let's give this a shot and kind of build something for ourselves. And, you know, if other people want it, I guess that means we have a, a company. Well, that's my favorite kind of story, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, I love it's kind it. of a classic, a classic startup story. Right. Um, but yeah, it's all, <laughs> that's, that's kind of really, uh, how, how it all went down. So tell us, tell us some of the, the basics, you know, I know our listeners, there are going to be some listeners who are familiar with it, but tell us, you know, like the, Everything someone needs to know who doesn't know anything about red light, red, red light therapy. Yeah, so so we'll start with the benefits. The benefits are really wide ranging, and they all sort of go back to the the core mechanism of action um, of what, what's happening um, to our cells when we um, when we are introduced to this type of this type of light. But the benefits are are it's everything from skin health, you know, increased collagen production in your skin, uh, which oftentimes results in the in the reduction of wrinkles and fine lines and stretch marks, um, to muscle recovery to increased athletic performance, to the reduction of joint pain and inflammation, to cognitive benefits, um, uh, to, um, in, you know, enhance retinal function. So improved eyesight, um, 
uh, body contouring is another big, big benefit. I say weight loss because really the effect is more um, contouring more so than like fat and weight loss. Uh, but there's a lot of clinical evidence for that with these wavelengths of light. So, you know, you start to rattle off all those benefits and it almost, you know, most people are like, yeah, I don't know about that. That sounds way too good to be true. But um, the reason, the reason the benefits are so wide ranging is because these wavelengths of light help our cells to produce more energy, more adenosine triphosphate. And so because we have there's mitochondria in almost every cell in our body outside of our red blood cells. Um, these wavelengths of light um, help with so many different things because they, they, um, they have that type of, the mechanism of action is at a mitochondrial level when it comes to, to wavelengths of light. And so the benefits are really wide ranging. And the way I, I often like to describe it, um, you know, if I'm at a conference or something, is that most of us understand that um, different mac different macronutrients. So in, in ingesting a protein versus a carbohydrate versus a fat, our body responds differently to those. Um, well, in a similar type of fashion, our bodies respond to different wavelengths of light. So whether it's blue light in the morning or blue light at night, whether it's red, red and near infrared light that you often see in the sunrise or more, more specifically in the, in the sunset, um, or whether it's really different, you know, different wavelengths, um, of, of, of light that are, that are on the opposite end of the, the spectrums, like radio waves and gamma wave and gamma rays, our bodies, our bodies respond differently to those wavelengths of light. So it's kind of very similar to macronutrients kind of think of it that way. Um, but, but specific to light therapy or photobiomodulation, as it's often referred to in clinical literature, the most studied wavelengths of light are usually in the low to mid 600 nanometers, so visible red light, and then in the low to mid 800 nanometer range, so near infrared, so not far infrared that, that you'd see in you know in in, in spot or in uh, saunas, but actually near infrared. So kind of wavelengths in the in the low to mid 600 nanometer range, and then wavelengths in the mid to 800 nanometer uh, range. Those are the wavelength ranges that have, have been proven over and over again in, uh, in clinical literature. So it reminds me, not that red light is intermittent fasting, but sort of the way that we find with intermittent fasting that it can benefit so many different things in the body just on a health level. I feel like that's kind of similar to how red light therapy works and that it really can benefit everything because it's making the body function better. Like you said, with the, the mitochondria, the actual energy production of the cells. So how does a, um, a red light therapy device like the Juve compare to like a traditional sauna, for example? Cause I think a lot of people, a lot of people are going to, so are going to think like heat saunas compared to like infrared saunas compared to infrared light therapy devices. So what are the differences between all of those? That's probably one of the most uh, common questions that we get um, at, at Juve is, is this, is this type of therapy the same thing as like an, an infrared sauna? And it's a, it's a great question. And I, if I wasn't knee deep in this space, I'd be, I'd be asking the same, the same type of question. And I guess um, to start, it's, a, it's really important just to understand that different wavelengths of light, you know, whether it's blue light, whether it's red light, whether it's near infrared light, or whether it's far infrared light, they all have a different mechanism of action at a cellular level. And so far infrared wavelengths are great for generating heat. That's why a good high quality sauna um, will really focus on um, delivering far infrared wavelengths, especially if it's an infrared sauna. Most of those wavelengths in, a, in an infrared sauna are gonna be far infrared because they're great at generating heat, which is the whole purpose of a sauna, right? You wanna generate heat, um, generate a heat response in your body um, and you, and you sort of get, you receive the, the benefits that are very, you know, very similar to cardiovascular exercise. At least that's what the clinical data says with respect to, uh, uh, sauna based therapy, but light therapy or photobiomodulation is a lot, the, the mechanism of action is a lot different. 
um, in, instead of inducing a, a heat response in your body, it's actually you're you're helping the mitochondria in your cells produce more adenosine triphosphate or more more cellular energy. So you're you're, you're enabling your cells to do to do what they were supposed to do, whether it's to counteract stress, whether it's to heal, whether it's to um, produce produce new tissue, um, produce more collagen, etc. Um, the, the, the mechanism of action is, is, is just different, but it, it's, it's because of the wavelength of light. Far, far infrared wavelengths are very different than red and near infrared wavelengths. So is it sort of like akin to charging a battery? Is it like charging our cells in a way? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Especially when you kind of get really into the weeds um, with respect to like what's happening during cellular respiration and how how are these wavelengths specifically helping your cells to produce more energy. Um, you know, it all happens sort of during the so the magic happens during the fourth phase of cellular respiration. And in essence, yeah, you are. You're helping your cells almost charge like a, like a, like a battery. That's a great analogy. How does that compare to ch- charging our cells with like food, for example, and eating versus light? Well, well cellular respiration is it's, there, there's a, there's a, a bio, biophysical component to, to cellular, cellular respiration. It all comes down to, to sort of the movements of protons and electrons. Right. So whether it's you know, the food that you eat and how your body breaks those down into into uh, protons, uh, protons and electrons, or whether it's the light um, that you receive um, and how that interacts at a cellular level. So the, at, at the end of the day, um, there's, you know, that our cells function kind of based on those four those four basic um, uh, phases of cellular respiration. And, you know, whether it's food or light, um, you know, sort of almost everything and, uh, you know, whether, whether it's us as humans or life on earth kind of comes down to, you know, how, how we respond at the, uh, uh, at the molecular level, more specifically, you know, uh, proton, you know, when it comes down to protons and neutrons. I love it. <laughs> okay. So to, to jump into some specific health related and weight loss related topics, especially for our listeners. So this is the intermittent fasting podcast. And so we do discuss a lot of things like, um, well, weight loss specifically, because a lot of people do turn to intermittent fasting to lose weight. So I guess jumping into that topic, can red light therapy help support weight loss? How can it work with like fat burning, with targeting maybe areas of stubborn fat, burning calories? How does it affect that whole world? Yeah, so there, there's a, there's um, so I'll, I'll start with, with the, the, um, the fact that there, there is um, peer-reviewed published literature that definitely showcase that showcases that red and near-infrared light does help, um, does help with, with, I'll call it a slimming type of effect because, you know, weight loss and, and fat loss can be sort of a loaded, a loaded topic. Um, right. But, but there's definitely clear clinical evidence that these wavelengths of light definitely induce a, a slimming sort of a body contouring type of effect in terms of the theory as to, as to what's actually going on to help induce that type of effect. There's, there's a few different ones. One is, is an up, an upregulation in your metabolism, right? So helping your cells because they can function better and produce more energy, you're able to sort of burn more calories. So that's, that's one theory. There's also a theory and it's what, which is pretty well documented that these wavelengths of light actually help your adipose tissue to become more porous. So in essence, you're, um, you're sort of washing away fat. I mean, that sounds kind of, <laughs> kind of, um, kind of woo woo, but there's actually, you know, mo- like some of the really well-structured studies, uh, the researchers have actually under, under slot, under, um, um, microscope shown that adipose tissue actually becomes more porous. So yeah, you are sort of shrinking and, um, and washing away fat cells, you know, with this type of light. Um, the other sort of theory um, comes down to the depletion of, of um, what's called deuterium. And deuterium is a, um, 
is a um, is is an is a hydrogen atom with an extra neutron. So it's a very dense form of hydrogen. And the uh, the folks at Signature Health um, are sort of leading the way. Uh, the doctors and and researchers at Signature Health are sort of leading the way when it comes to deuterium research. Um, but they have a theory um, that actually um, intermittent fasting helps deplete deuterium, um, and red light actually helps enhance the deuterium uh, depletion uh, effects as well. And so by depleting deuterium you're actually helping your cells function better. The nanomotors along the electro electron transport chain actually function better. And so that, that's kind of a third theory uh, in, term, you know, in terms of how, how light therapy impacts you know, fat loss and weight loss. Um, so there's a, there's a few different theories, but it is very well documented that you know, consistent use of these wave, wavelengths of light definitely help, um, help induce a slimming or body contouring effect. Can I jump in with a question real quick, Scott? And that is... Um, back to what you said with deuterium being depleted and that intermittent fasting depletes it as does the red light therapy. Why do we want our deuterium to be depleted? Can you tell us that a little bit? Yeah, sure. And I, and I, I'm certainly no expert when it comes to this stuff. Um, we've got, we've recently gotten to know that the folks at Signature Health and the, I think they're, um, they're rebranding themselves under this, the center for deuterium depletion, but, um, PhDs and MDs, um, that are part of this, part of this clinic that are leading, 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 uh, leading the charge when it comes to research into deuterium. But what happens, I, we kind of touched on this a little bit briefly when, when it comes, when, you know, how our cells function at, at, at the most basic level comes down to protons, uh, protons and electrons. And the end goal, um, during during cellular respiration, especially the, the, the fourth phase of cell, cellular respiration, is to create this gradient uh, effect. Um, so this this um, this 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 charge, you want to create a, a gradient uh, in terms of the charge on each side of the um, the mitochondrial matrix. And so what happens is um, when our bodies, whether it's whether it's from the food we ingest um, or different stressors on our body um, or certain wavelengths of light. Um, we um, these deuterium molecules or these these hydrogen molecules that have an extra neutron they're very dense and so they actually can almost clog the nanomotors along the which are kind of like spitting motors along the electron transport chain they can actually clog those up to the point where they just stop and when they stop your cells don't produce ATP anymore um, and so once they stop they cannot be repaired so you're you're, you're sort of relying on your body to to induce uh, autophagy or like the killing of those bad cells that can no longer work. Um, and so um, the, the end goal is you, 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 you want your bodies to have a healthy level of, of deuterium. Um, so there, it's, it's impossible to deplete all of it, uh, or I think it's impossible to deplete all of it, but you want, you want that, that ratio to be in line. Um, it, it, there needs to be a healthy ratio of deuterium in your body. And so fasting is one of, is, is a really good way to deplete deuterium levels, eating a high fat um, sort of, Paleo slash ketogenic type of diet um, helps to uh, reduce um, deuterium levels. Most of the time, eating organic foods are typically lower in deuterium levels. And then red and near infrared light actually helps lower deuterium levels because it helps, um, it changes the viscosity of water in your cells and helps those nanomotors spin faster. So think of it like a motor. And so by changing the viscosity of the water, you can help help those nanomotors spin faster. So they actually can create more ATP, which helps further deplete deuterium. Um, so that that's kind of that topic at, at a high level. Again, I'm no expert when it comes to this stuff. If, if you want to, they'd actually be great guests for your podcast to hit, to to go kind of go deep when it comes to deuterium because there's a really uh, Dr. Q Collins, who's one of the the researchers there at the center. He actually is considered one of the forefathers of the ketogenic diet. 
um, studied under Dr. Atkins back in the day, um, believe it or not. And so he's a really, really cool guy, but like all their focus is entirely on deuterium and intermittent fasting is a really great way to deplete deuterium. Well, that's fascinating. I just learned a ton of stuff. I know. <laughs> Jen, we're going to have to reach out to them and maybe get oh, them yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, they can go super deep. I mean, they're all PhDs and MDs, and so they can, they can speak to this far better than I can. So, But really, really cool stuff for sure, though. Well, I'm married to a chemist, so he's going to like this a lot. He's going to be interested in it. Our listeners are pretty familiar with autophagy. Jen and I talk about it all the time, um, just as far as breaking down excess proteins and things like that in the body while fasting. So it sounds a little bit like deuterium is breaking. So it's breaking down basically this excess hydrogen in a way instead of protein. So it's breaking down something that's building up. Yep, you're right. You're right. Exactly. Yeah, you want the, the goal is to actually that deuterium is just a, 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 it's a, it's a form of hydrogen. It's just a very heavy dense form because of that extra neutron. And so the, the goal is to have a healthy ratio of, uh, uh, of deuterium in your body and, um, you know, eating the right types of foods, uh, the, you know, being, you know, not getting the right type of light. There's a number of different factors that lead to excess deuterium in your body. And, um, that's what cause it's been, they've been, they've shown actually in peer reviewed research that that's actually the fundamental cause of a lot of chronic diseases is excess deuterium. And it seems like it would also be related to aging, right? Like, you know, as you get older, it builds up more. And so it seems like um, this would have a great anti-aging benefit. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And in fact, I mean, I, I, know, I don't know how, how much time you want to spend on deuterium because the, you know, the, the guy, the, the, uh, the docs at, at, at Signature Health, and, and um, they, would, they would be able to speak to this high, uh, much better than I could. But Dr. Um, Dr. Boris, who's an MD um, at UCLA, so he's a tenured professor um, here in Southern California at UCLA. He he's published um, upwards of I think it's over well over a hundred peer reviewed studies um, on this on this very topic, and so he's super well versed when it comes to this. But he's shown exactly like depleting deuterium is 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 uh, is a very has a very anti aging effect for sure. And then I did want to jump back in a little bit to some of the other things that you were talking about. Um, so I've been doing a lot of research about red light and because I'm <laughs> going to write another one of my epic blog posts about about all of this. So I have been reading the studies. You were talking about how the red light can actually make the fat cells more porous. And it really is fascinating. I was reading a lot of studies where they were they were pairing up red light therapy with like typical like liposuction actually. And they found that it was far more effective when they would use red light because it would actually break down the fat cells and make them more porous and make it easier to extract the fat. It was just really, really fascinating. Um, so I have, I have a question for you because I've been thinking about this a lot. So if red light therapy and um, near infrared therapy is able to like loosen up the fat cell in a way and make the, you know, make it more porous, could, could somebody who's doing intermittent fasting perhaps use like use a juve device in conjunction with that um because we know that like the longer you go into the fast the more you're burning up the fatty acids that you've liberated so could you possibly use red light to spot reduce fat like by targeting certain areas where you feel like you have a fat buildup and using that red light to get that fat broken down a little bit and then by fasting actually burning off those fatty acids is that something like is that a viable route to go. I've just been like thinking about this. Yeah, no, there's, there's definitely, I, I think there's, um, there, in, in fact, most of the, most of the published research when it comes to, um, when it comes to sort of the slimming or, or fat loss sort of topic is with targeted spot 
spot devices, right? Um, and one, one of the reasons for that is just um, there hasn't, to date, you know, um, there hasn't been a lot of devices available that can treat your whole body. So I would still, I would still argue that full body light therapy is beneficial um, more so than just targeted therapy. But if you've got a smaller device and you want to treat sort of the, you know, the, the waistline, yeah, 100, 100% because of that mechanism, mechanism of action of like actually sort of like create, like helping your, your adipose tissue to sort of um, um, uh, become more porous, that uh, definitely would, would be, you know, efficacious to even just use it for spot treatments. What about cellulite? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that just pops into my head, you know, talking about the spot treatment. Mm-hmm. Has, has it shown any benefits for cellulite at all? Um, l- loosely, and primarily because of the sort of the, um, the, uh, the increase in collagen production and, and sort of the, you know, creating a, a little bit more of a, of a fuller skin, sort of that, that type of feel. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, w- I would say probably that the mechanism might be a little bit different when it comes to, to, to cellulite. But at the end of the day, um, sort of that, you're enhancing the appearance, whether it's, you know, creating more porous adipose tissue or like creating a little bit more full, fuller look to your skin. Um, there's ample evidence that that red light therapy does both. I will say just speaking personally, as far as the skin goes. So I got the, um, I got your juve device and I had done red light therapy, uh, like, like half a year ago or so I, I was using a device, um, and then I just kind of stopped because I moved and <laughs> things got crazy. And then I decided to jump back on the train. I got your juve device. I was <laughs> like talking to Jen about it. It was, it's crazy how quickly you can see the difference, especially in your face, like using the treatment on your face. If it, it felt like I had had like a anti-aging chemical peel or something like it makes your skin just so smooth and um i i just i'm just really astounded with how quick it works especially with like my face specifically and inflammation and it's almost shocking like how effective it can be that's awesome to hear i I mean it's it's interesting because the um the customers that purchase our devices it's really wide-ranging so it's everyone from you know, a younger, a younger guy that, you know, like in his mid twenties that wants to increase his testosterone. Cause you heard, you know, Ben Greenfield talk about that or whether maybe it's a, you know, an elderly lady in her mid sixties that, you know, heard about light therapy from a doctor that want you know, and she wants to decrease pain. So it's, it's really wide ranging, but across the board, regardless of sort of the initial thing that someone wanted to, to get help with, skin, skin benefits, um, are almost universal. So it's uh, we, uh, like a lot of the reviews read something like this. I got your device for, for muscle recovery or joint pain, but wow, I've been using it. And like, I'm getting all these comments about how my face is glowing or how much younger I look, you know, from people, especially from people that, ha- you know, that, that person hasn't seen in a while, you know? And so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. We, we've thought about, you know, creating word clouds of our, of reviews of people that have, you know, been using our devices. And we think, you know, skin health or like glowing skin, it would be one of the predominant sort of words that you'd see, uh, just because that's sort of almost universally, um, sort of a, a common, you know, a common effect of using red and near infrared light on a consistent basis. It's so amazing. It's like you can like use it for everything. And then for hair growth as well, it seems to be pretty effective for that. And, um, yeah, just so many different things. I was just gonna say it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's like, what else can I use it for? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it it really is. I mentioned you know QVC late night some late night infomercial, but it, I mean, when you start looking at the benefits, it's um it it seems too good to be true. But all of these things that we're talking about are substantiated in in peer reviewed clinical literature. I mean, when we're when we're at a conference, um, you know, or some 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 you know bigger event, we'll often like tell people that 
by far and away, light therapy um, is supported by the most scientific evidence of any sort of gadget or supplement here, you know, at this conference or this event. And that's true. I mean, there's, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to find a, a therapy that's supported by, you know, so much clinical literature, but the, the sort of the, 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 the problem historically with light therapy is that um, usually it was um, you could only use it in, via small little, small little devices um, you know, and most of the most of the research, kind of from the mid 20th century to the to the early early 21st century, um, was was using you know based on laser low level laser devices, um, um, primarily because you couldn't use LEDs to deliver the same amount of power, and so you were kind of stuck using these small little devices. Um, and lasers are expensive, so you could you 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 largely had to use that in sort of a spa or practitioner setting. But with the advent of of LED technology, you can deliver a clinically relevant dose of power, you know, over a really broad surface area. And so um, really the technology has changed so much that you can get these types of, of benefits in a device that's, you know, at a price point that you could, you know, use in your own home, which is really, I mean, I would argue where light therapy is best because you can use it consistently. You know, it's hard to go to some place to use it on any sort of consistent basis. And so it's ideally used in your, in your own home. How how much should people use it? Like, what's the recommended time frame? Like, how often per day, or do you do it every day, or twice a week, or or what do y'all recommend? Um, we with with our devices because of the the um, the power delivered um, in the form of uh, irradiance or photon flux, we generally recommend about a ten minute treatment time at a distance of about six inches from our device, roughly, and that that will typically equate in, in to a, a clinically or biologically relevant dose of energy that kind of mirrors a lot of the public. Uh, research um, across a lot of these different areas that we're talking about, whether it's skin health or, or, or body contouring or muscle recovery, et cetera. So about, about 10 minutes at about six, six, three to six inches from our device will, will result in that type of, um, in that type of, uh, in that type of dose of energy um, instead of going longer. So say you wanted say you've got a, a really sore elbow or something like that. Instead of going longer for like 15 or 20 minutes, we would, we would argue that you might be better off sticking to more like that 10 minute treatment time, but doing it multiple times per day. So maybe once in the morning and once in the evening or something like that. And they're, 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 they're based on clinical literature. There appears to be more of a, um, um, that there's, t- there tends to be a, a better argument for multiple sessions versus really long sessions. Well, that's good. Good info to have. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that because, as you can guess, Jen and listeners, I have a tendency to just kind of sit in front of it for hours <laughs> while I'm working at my computer. Glad that I asked. But that—that's if you're—I I, I would just just to touch on that briefly, like if you're using it at a at a certain distance, because the energy really does dissipate um, based on how far you are away from the device, and so. Like as an example, my wife and I will often use um, a, one of our smaller devices in our in our room at night just to kind of illuminate the room. Um, and we're not necessarily getting really a therapeutic dose of energy per se, but it's better than you know flipping on um, LEDs that are you know bright blue LEDs or delivering bright blue light. And so, um, um, yeah, so it kind of depends on. I mean, if you've got if you've got because I oftentimes use our smallest device on like a little uh, on my on my standing desk. And it's at a distance where I'm not really getting that that much of a therapeutic dose. It's very, it's very, it's a small, it's a small therapeutic dose. So in that scenario, you could use it for a lot longer. But if you're at that recommended treatment distance of about three to six inches, you really don't need to use it any more than you know ten to twelve minutes at a time. Okay, so that actually is similar to how I do it because I'll keep it a little bit farther away. I and I actually started doing exactly what you said. I started turning it on at night 
because I just found it was a very, it's a very soothing light for the room compared to other lights that I could turn on. So when I'm winding down, I really like turning it on to just have that before going to bed. I found it, I find it very soothing. Now, does it help with sleep? I know that blue light at night is supposed to be like terrible for us when we're trying to go to sleep. Does the, does the red light help people who have trouble sleeping, who may have insomnia, that sort of thing? Yeah, no. And there, there's, it, it definitely helps induce um, not only the production of more melatonin, um, but, uh, but there's also a lot of studies, not, not probably not as ma- as many as there are when it comes to like muscle recovery and joint pain, um, and other, other, um, other therapeutic arenas, but there are definitely a handful of clinical studies that showcase that these wavelengths of light induce better, better sleep quality. In fact, one of the, one of the, the ones that comes to mind is a, um, a group of professional women's basketball players were using red light therapy over the course of, I think eight weeks, if I remember the, the treatment, t- the treatment window, um, and, um, there was a they they they, they um, the researchers concluded that that these wavelengths definitely induce a better sleep quality. Um, that's just one study that comes to mind, but there's ample evidence that suggests these wavelengths um, at night um, definitely help um, with with better sleep. In fact, that's probably one of the things that I notice most um, about light therapy is that um, when we when we use it at night, it actually helps. There's a very calming sense. Um, um, and it does, I, I've noticed that's one of the, the biggest benefits I've noticed personally is, is the better sleep quality when using light therapy in the evenings. Well, I think that's important because a lot of people in this modern era struggle with getting good sleep, especially with all the devices, the televisions, the mm-hmm. screens that we have on all the time. So yep. that's, I think that's a great benefit. No doubt. On that, on that note, I mean, it, it's, um, there's a, there's a pretty common data point that's, that's often referenced that Americans now spend on average, 93% of, of their time or our time indoors under artificial light away from healthy, natural sunlight. And so that's such an alarming stat, you know, but it's, it's sort of true when you think about it and how we spend, you know, if you're not, if you're not intentionally aware of it, you know, most of us and my, myself included, before I sort of got into this, into the space, we lived in Minneapolis, not a lot of natural sunlight, especially, you know, six to eight months out of the year, you get, you get ready in the mornings under artificial light you commute to work, you're all, you know, indoors all day, you know, in an, in an office. And then you come home and the sun has already set and you're, you know, under artificial blue light the rest of the evening. So it's like, yeah, that 90% stat is probably pretty true. And so because of that, our, yeah, I mean, our, our biology just hasn't evolved or adapted that fast to that much, um, artificial light and, and the lack of natural healthy sunlight doesn't, doesn't, doesn't help at all. And so, um, yeah, these, these, these wavelengths are, are a good way to sort of supplement sort of your, your light diet, so to speak. The direction of light would also be a thing because I read recently that overhead light at night is a problem because our brains associate it with like the sun being overhead, like in the afternoon. And so with like a juve device, for example, you'd be having that red light, which would be more conducive to like a night a night light, a night type feeling anyway. And then also the direction of it, it wouldn't be, you know, over you, it would be illuminating from more on a plane of like a setting sun. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's also, that's, that's one of the, the, the questions that we get quite a bit is like, when is the best time to use red and near infrared light therapy? And I, I would argue that if you really try, try to get some sort of healthy light on any, any, like a daily basis, but if you're um, if you're really trying to optimize your day, like using it in the morning and or in the evening, um, to mimic the natural sunrise and sunset, because that's when, you know, you see most of the, most of the red and near infrared light from the sun is in the, is in the morning and the evening. And so using it to sort of mirror that natural, 
that natural um, sunrise and sunset is probably most beneficial. I have a question about mood. If I could shift the subject just a little bit, it may when you were talking about you know not having a lot of the natural sunlight and we're spending our days you know getting home after dark. A lot of people suffer from seasonal type disorders where you know in the winter when it's dark they have trouble with their mood. Does this type of therapy help them with that? It does. It does. I I would say that there's probably more clinical evidence to suggest that bright light um, uh, does help with seasonal um, affective disorder. Um, but there's, there's a fair amount of studies that show that red, red light, bright red light does, does help, um, benefit, um, or help people that suffer from, from sad in a, in a, in a beneficial way as well. Um, and I think that that probably more speaks to just the difficulty or challenge it is to get enough healthy, natural sunlight during certain times of the year. You know, and I, 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 even though I live on, on the, on, you know, in Southern California now, you know, most of my life I've spent in the Midwest, you know, and you just, it's hard to get enough natural, natural sunlight. And so using a bright light, um, was, you know, is, you know, can be beneficial for that. Um, I would, I would tend to think that like near and red and near infrared light is probably better just because of the, the mechanism of action at a cellular level. Um, but yeah, there's also clinical studies that do, that do showcase that these wavelengths of light, um, um, uh, help with mental, um, uh, mental clarity, enhanced cognitive function, et cetera. I use both actually. So every day I use a bright light in the morning. Um, that's, that's for that specifically for mood and all of that therapy. And, but then I use a juve in conjunction with that. And then I have LEDs that I change the color of throughout the day. So I start them off as blue in the beginning, and then I have them transition to the like more of a red by the evening. So I'm really into all the light, <laughs> the light stuff. It's really important. Um, I do have a question. So your devices, they all have, so they have the red light and then they have the near infrared and then you can use both at the same time or you can switch between them. What is the difference between those two as far as the health benefits go and how should those two different settings be used? Yeah. So, so our devices deliver uh, red light at 660 nanometers and then near infrared light at 850 nanometers. And the core mechanism of action for both wavelengths is very similar. They both, they both um, sort of stimulate your cells, uh, specifically the mitochondria in your cells to produce more, more ATP or more energy. Um, but the main difference is the depth of penetration. So red light tends to be readily absorbed uh, by the dermis and epidermis of your skin. Um, whereas near infrared light um, has a unique ability to penetrate a little bit deeper. And so when you look at published literature, most of the studies with respect to skin health, uh, researchers are often using just red light. Um, whereas when you look at a study for arthritis or muscle recovery or athletic performance or something along those lines, most of the wavelengths um, um, used are near infrared light. Um, so that's because of the, the depth of the depth of penetration. Now, what's unique, what's unique is, um, actually, um, Dr. Sarah Ballantyne actually recently sent me this study cause I hadn't seen it before that there was a, um, some researchers recently published a, um, uh, a study that showcased both red and near infrared light helped, um, um, helped, um, induce healthy micro, uh, gut microbiome. So that was surprising to me um, because because of the, the sort of the limitation when it comes to red light in, in terms of the depth of penetration. So I'm not sure why um, that'd be really interesting to sort of dig, dig into that, you know, sort of the, the why as to as to how those um, how those researchers were able to demonstrate that in a, in a clinical study. But interesting nonetheless, and it could very well be just the systemic benefit um, um, from from uh, from irradiating your, your blood uh, with both wavelengths of light. 
Um, so that's, that's probably one of the arguments for full body, um, uh, light therapies because you're, you are systemically erating so much, so much of your, the surface area of your skin that you do get that, uh, that very, that systemic benefit. Um, but yeah, who, who knows? It's, it's interesting though, because I would have suspected that red light might, might not, might, might be sort of limited when it comes to gut health. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to get one of these, aren't I, Melanie? Yes. <laughs> Melanie tries things first, usually. So. <laughs> I, know, I try all the things. But Jen and I are slightly obsessed with the gut microbiome. So. Yes. Well, you know, the more we learn, the more we realize that that's really the foundation of our, our healthy bodies, right? So. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah. Yeah, very true. And then I do want to jump on a few other topics that we briefly mentioned. So red light therapy for muscle pain and inflammation and exercise recovery. So so somebody who is doing um, intense exercise, what's going to happen if they start using red light therapy after exercise? Like what, what benefits are they going to see specifically? Um, so so most um, – there's probably more, more um, published literature – that demonstrates uh, these wavelengths of light help help um, enhance muscle recovery. Um, there's sort of a growing body of literature that suggests it also helps induce peak athletic performance um, as well. Um, in fact, there was a recent meta-analysis that was um, co-authored by Dr. Michael Hamlin, who uh, sits on our scientific advisory board. And I think the title of the article was, you know, does red light or, or the the main question that the 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 researchers left the you know the readers with is should red and near infrared light not not does it work but should it be banned in sort of the um, regulated sports you know like the Olympics as an example? Oh wow! Yeah, it's pretty clear that um, you know if you just take a little bit of time to look at the evidence that it helps with both muscle recovery as well as you know in in inducing um, uh, better peak athletic performance. Um, we are at. Uh, Charles Poliquin's, um, he's a, I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work, but he's a pretty, uh, pretty well-known strength trainer. Um, I think he's, he's coached gold medalists in 24 different Olympic sports, but anyway, um, that, that aside, we were at his, um, his grand opening of his, of his center in Colorado Springs recently. And he's, he's been using it on his athletes for the past nine months or so. Um, and, um, you know, I think he, he, he said it was a, you know, an unfair advantage. I think where the words were the words he used. And so even someone like him, he's noticing it even in, in, even in, in, you know, athletes that are competing in, you know, in, in peak performance sports like that are seeing benefits, not only in terms of perform performance, but also, also recovery as well. So they're going to be like secretly going and <laughs> doing black market treatments. <laughs> your, your, your device will be on the black market at the Olympics. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Hopefully that's not the case. But yeah. How would they test for that? They, they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to tell, right? <laughs> that's what, that's something that the researchers raised in that meta analysis, which sounds kind of silly. Cause like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some sort of diagnostic that probably you could, you could use to determine that. But I mean, these are wavelengths of, of light that are found in natural sun. Right. Right. How do you restrict that? Yeah. How do you, how, <laughs> how do you, how do you, you just prevent someone from going out in the sun? I mean, it's, it, it, I think it was, it was kind of a, it was an interesting question. It's sort of a compelling question to ask because we're at this point when it comes to photobiomodulation. It's it's now it's not whether you know, does this stuff work anymore. It's like, you know, let's go deeper with it. I mean, it's it's very clear that it, it it's 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 a great therapy for muscle recovery, for joint pain relief, and and but let's you know let's let's take this a step further and see what other areas of the body can this can can these wavelengths of light uh, improve. Yeah. Well, look, I'm a 49 year old woman and I would just, I'm excited just about the skin benefits to tell you the truth. What can it do for my, my 49 year old face? <laughs> In fact, a lot of people, um, 
that are familiar with light therapy, they first hear about it from, you know, uh, you know, their, their esthetician, you know, or who they go to for, for facials and whatnot. In fact, my, my sister is, she runs a, a spa. Um, she's an esthetician and runs her own spa. And so she's overly familiar with light therapy, but, but her, not her level of knowledge before, you know, we started juve was with really just respect to skin health. And so she's, you know, she's kind of fallen in love with the idea of full body light therapy over the past few years, just because it's beneficial in so many different ways. Beyond, I mean, everyone wants better skin. Don't get me wrong, but it's beneficial for so many more things than just so much you know, better skin. than that. Yeah. 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 Now I think I had a little handheld device at one point I was having some acne issues. This was probably 10 years ago. Is, is red light therapy good for acne treatment? Blue light actually has been shown to be beneficial for bacterial induced acne. So blue light can be beneficial for, for acne, but also red light just because of the sort of the rejuvenating properties of, of red light have, has also been documented in, in clinical, uh, clinical research to be beneficial for acne as well. I think I had this little handheld thing that switched back and forth. Like you could do it with the blue and then you could do it with the red. So that's just what I remember. Yep. Yep. There's, se- there's several devices um, like that that are on, on the market. And I would just sort of kind of earlier in, in our conversation, we sort of touched on this, um, whether you buy our device or not, um, that, you know, the, the important things to look at, look for when it comes to a red light therapy device really come down to kind of three simple things. One would be wavelengths. So which, which wavelengths of light do you want to, uh, what, what benefits are you looking for? And do, do those wavelengths sort of mirror what you find in clinical literature? So uh, most of the wavelengths we're talking about now are red and then near infrared. So that's important. And then, and then the power, the power is really important. Like we, like what we talked about before, you want to look for a device that allows for shorter treatment times. Cause it's not, not that it's bad to have to use a device that requires longer treatment times, but it's just hard to be compliant, you know, cause you know, you might get excited about using something, you know, that you have to, you know, that takes 30 minutes every night, but then, you know, by, you know, night number 10, you're like, eh, I don't really want to use this you're anymore. It, it takes, absolutely. takes too long. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's one of the things that we really wanted to design for, you know, with our devices is, 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 is creating something that could be used relatively quickly, you know? So I would pretty much bet money that the device I had did not have the right wavelength or the right power. <laughs> <laughs> I would, the, 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 the sad part about that is when we first did our, you know, we're, we were doing R and D uh, back in, in uh, 2015, like it, it, it was hard to like, most manufacturers didn't, one, they didn't tell you which wavelengths are delivered. And then two, they definitely didn't tell you what, what, what the, what the power was in the form of delivered power, not, not, not wattage that's consumed because that's different, but the, the delivered power, you know, in the form of, uh, um, or using the metrics, uh, the irradiance metric of milliwatts per square centimeter. Cause that's, that's what you see in clinical literature. And it was sad because most manufacturers, you know, just didn't disclose that information. It's kind of like going to a car dealership and they won't tell you the horsepower of an engine. Well, it's like, what do you mean you won't tell me? Like, I kind of need to know that information to determine how long I need to use the device. And so, um, now I think we're at a point now where, um, you know, more and more manufacturers are, are, are sort of leveling up their game and being more transparent with like, you know, uh, core sort of core, core fundamental basics of, of, of devices. And so it's, it's sort of good to see, but it's, it's a long time coming, you know? I think that's important because many people would just be like, oh, it's red. That must be it, right? But yeah. There's so much more to it than just that it looks red to our eyes. Certain, certain wavelengths of red light don't activate um, an enzyme called cytochrome C oxidase during, during cellular respiration. And if, if you're using a certain wavelength that doesn't activate that enzyme, you're not going to get the, the energy-inducing benefits of, of light therapy. So it's really important to understand the, the wavelengths. Yeah, I was just going to say, so I signed up for a new gym recently, and they had a device – and 
for the settings, it could it had because it had blue light and red light, but the settings were like acne, anti aging, and pain and inflammation, and like that's all that it said. And so I was like, I guess the the acne is going to be using the blue light, the pain and inflammation will be using the the far infrared, and the the anti aging will be using the the red light. I'm guessing. And I asked them at the gym, and they just looked at me like, "Who are you?" Um, <laughs> and then I called the company ac- actually and verified all of that. So, and it was pretty, pretty much right, which was exciting. That's funny. I do have another question. How about for, for detox? Can, can this, can red light therapy be used for that as well? I know detox is like a very vague word, but um, I think people get into that a lot, especially with intermittent fasting and everything and getting rid of toxins in the body. And I, I would say it's it's hard. Yeah, you're exactly right. The detox can be kind of this this broad, very broad umbrella. And you know, what does that mean within this, the context of certain things? But when it comes to light therapy, I think the one thing that you can definitely find, uh, you know, there, there's there's science to support. You know, a certain claim would be would be the sort of the um, the um, immune system response that you get from using light therapy. So um, it's very clear that these wavelengths of light actually help transition your immune system from an M1 phenotype to an M2 phenotype, which means it's more phagocytic. So it helps your the your macrophage, macrophages in your immune system actually help, um, they help sort of eat um, sort of the, the, um, the, um, uh, sort of the, the side, the, the cytokines or any sort of inflammatory markers. And so it's very clear that these wavelengths of light, that they do have a positive, um, they help your immune system function better. There's a very positive response when it comes to that. So if you want to sort of call that detox, I'm not entirely sure if sort of that falls under the detox umbrella, but I think it's very clear that, um, that that's what's sort of going on, um, when it comes to these, you know, these wavelengths of light being used, especially over a broad surface area. Oh, I love that. I, t- I talked about macro, is it macrophages? Is that how you say it? I talked yeah. about those in my book. I, I see them as like these little vacuum cleaner monster things that go around your body and eat and eat stuff, <laughs> eat, get, get rid of things. Um, and actually speaking on the detox level for one more second, this is a personal question coming from me, but like I recently found out I had heavy metal toxicity. And I actually read that red light therapy could be used for chelating mercury. Actually, have you seen anything about that at all? Um, I that is something that I cannot speak to. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt if it if it <laughs> if it did help in some regards to that. But I um, I have not seen any any uh, any any studies or, or science um, related to that topic. Yeah, I just saw some vague references to it. So I need. I'm going to go in and tackle it. But I was reading something about it possibly being able to chelate. Uh, metals from the brain, which is one of the areas that's really, really hard to to get metals out of. So I'm pretty excited. I called the company of that other device and asked if, if that was something it could do. And they were just like, it has not been FDA approved for this. We can't say anything. And I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> that means I got to go do my own research, I guess. There you go. <laughs> one more, One more quick issue. Is there research around red light and the thyroid? Because we do get a lot of questions from listeners who have like um, thyroid problems or hypothyroidism, hyperthyroidism. Have you seen research surrounding that? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, there's, um, I, there, there's not a robust number of published studies just because patient enrollment tends to be, you know, harder, um, when it comes to some of those, um, uh, some of those trials, but, 
Um, yeah, there's there's definitely a handful of, of of studies that that do demonstrate that these wavelengths of light um, uh, have an impact on healthy thyroid function. In fact, one, and I don't have it in front of me, so I can't remember the exact specifics, but there was a significant reduction in the number of patients that um, were not only able to reduce reduce the, uh, the their, their medication, their thyroid medication, but actually the number of patients that were completely able to stop taking their thyroid medication um, by using red and near-infrared light therapy. So there are definitely some cool studies um, that, that support the fact that, um, that these wavelengths of light do, uh, do help with um, uh, normal sort of uh, thyroid function. Wow. That's, that's huge. That can help a lot of people. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, so here's another question for you. So in the past, I've used like these therapeutic incandescent heat bulbs to, um, when I was just first jumping into the whole light therapy device thing, how, how are those different from like the LEDs on the Juve device? Yeah, that, that's another really common question is, can you get sort of the same benefits with an infrared heat lamp? Um, and so it all kind of comes back to sort of the wavelengths of light. So the wavelengths of light distributed from a heat lamp are, are pretty broad. So there, um, you obviously, there's obviously red, red light, visible red light, you know, um, delivered through a, a heat lamp. But when you look at the, 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 the sort of the distribution curve, uh, for, in terms of wavelengths from a heat lamp, you're, um, you're as far out as, as, uh, kind of the mid infrared spectrum. And so, um, so they deliver a really broad spectrum of, of wavelengths, um, but not the precise wavelengths that are used in clinical literature. So kind of going back to the, you know, one of the most important things when it comes to photobiomodulation devices use, is using the precise wavelengths that have been showcased in clinical literature. And that's why, that's why researchers don't use infrared heat lamps is because you can't, you can't dial in the specific wavelengths of light because um, it's just too broad. And so you're not really, you're getting a very broad spectrum of wavelengths and then also you're not, even though they get really hot to the touch, they're very inefficient devices. So actually the irradiance delivered from an infrared heat lamp is very, very, um, is far, far inferior to uh, a high quality laser or LED light therapy device. In fact, we recently had some independent third-party testing done on our devices, as well as a myriad of different light therapy devices, including infrared heat lamps. Um, and it was no surprise to us because you can do some basic testing, but the irradiance um, coming from an infrared heat lamp is so is so low that you, if you're looking for like the light therapy benefits that come, uh, you know, from a heat lamp, you'd have to be using it for hours and hours per day um, to the point where you'd, you'd sweat you'd sweat to death. Oh, wow. <laughs> right, trying to get trying to get a, trying to get light therapy benefits from a heat lamp. So, um, so yeah, I mean, short story is no, you can't. You, unfortunately, you can't really get the get the benefits, um, light, light therapy benefits from an infrared heat lamp. I know there's, um, there's some, um, like some homemade style devices that I've seen that are more for like sauna benefits. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I don't, I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe you can get some, some sauna benefits, but again, I, I would, I would argue that you need to kind of go back to the clinical literature, you know, and most of the, the clinical literature with respect to saunas, um, points to the fact that you need to, um, elevate, the, you know, you need to be using a sauna in which you can elevate, your body temperature, not your body temperature, but the temperature in the sauna to above 140 degrees Celsius or 140 degrees Fahrenheit. And so can you do that with infrared heat lamps? I don't know. I guess it depends on where you're, where you're using them. Um, so maybe they, maybe they could be used for the purposes of sauna, may, maybe not, but for the purposes of, uh, of light therapy, definitely not. They're not very efficacious for that. Yeah. I've been looking into the, the little saunas that you buy, like the ones you set up 
in your house and you just get into them. And, and we actually been receiving some listener questions about those specifically, but the, the worries I had seen around those were that they actually can emit some toxins in the process because of the material that they're made of. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe I will not. Would you like to tell listeners a little bit about the different devices that you do offer? So like I personally have um, your mini one and I put it on my desk and I just find it. I'm so addicted to it. I can't even tell you. Um, I find it to be wonderful. But um, like size wise, what different devices do you have and what devices might suit different people? Sure. So all of our, all of, we have two core sizes. So we, the two core sizes that we offer are the, are the mini and the solo. Um, and the, they're, they're built with the same internal components. So there's really not a lot of fundamental differences between the two other than the size. So the mini is obviously smaller than the solo, but what's unique about both, um, both devices is that they're modular. So you can actually connect them together physically. Um, um, and and sort of um, electronically through a pairing process, so you can actually build out like kind of like Legos, build out a full body system over time, and then control the whole system from one device or remotely through our app, uh, through the Juve app, um, which is also compatible with Alexa and Google Home. So in theory, you could say, you know, Alexa, I want a Juve for ten minutes. Your Juve would come on, and you know, under the the pre-programmed time of ten minutes. So that's what's sort of unique and different, and and sort of different about our devices is. Even though, so you can start small with a mini, and then over time, start to begin to build out your full body system, uh, which is which is pretty cool. Um, and so there's some other some unique some other unique tech uh, that's that that's built in, um, and I can kind of run through that. But that that modular nature of the, of the devices is is pretty is pretty differentiated, and we we sort of fun, fundamentally believe that ideally everyone should have a full body light therapy device in their home, and you know through this modular design, you can you can do that. Like in 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 one you know through one one a one time purchase or you can build out the system over time. Oh, I think that's a great point. I just got so excited. I didn't realize there was an app. So I compare mine with um my Alexa. Yeah. <gasps> oh. Oh. <laughs> oh man, this is exciting. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, there's there's two ways to pair the devices. If you're not a fan of Bluetooth, you can connect them through our our hardwire pairing kit. But most people use Bluetooth, um, and uh, and you can connect the devices to each other through Bluetooth, and then also through our app too. So yeah, through the app, which enables the connectivity with Google Home and Alexa. Um, so the, cool. the app is really cool, and you can track your your session history. Um, there's different tiers, kind of based on your usage. It's it's pretty cool. You can control the wavelength from the app or the device as well. So if you just want to use red, or if you just want to use near infrared, or both at the same time, you can, can you can do that at the at the device level, or you can do that through the app as well. I don't know how I missed that. This is so exciting because my <laughs> nightly routine. I come in when I like come home at night. I say computer, and I I have her turn on these healing sounds, which is just this soundtrack that is very like calming. And then I have her turn my lights all to a red tone, and then I go physically turn on my Juve. But now, now she, she can, can do everything. She can for do you. it all at once. Awesome. <laughs> now I have one question. One thing that we haven't talked about at all: Are there any people who should not use this type of therapy? Any contraindications? Anything like that? Anything? Any kind of things people need to be aware of that this may not be a good fit for. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up. Um, so light therapy is one of those unique sort of therapeutic arenas where there's not a lot of contraindications, but if you are, um, photo, uh, if you're, if you're sensitive to, to, to light, you know, or photosensitive, um, or taking photosensitizing drugs, you can have, um, some type of negative, um, 
it's 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 very uh, very uh, minimally invasive, but you can have some type of negative reaction. So we actually recommend that if you have a known sensitivity to light, or if you're taking some of those photosensitizing drugs, to actually do a little test with our devices. In fact, it's in our product manual, where you just shine the light on 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 your skin for a couple minutes. And if you have some sort of inflammatory response, right, where if your skin gets red, that may indicate that you are sensitive to uh, to these wavelengths of light. It's really it's really very rare, um, but every now and then, every now and then we we do hear about it. Another question on that note that sometimes comes up is, can you use it when you're pregnant, um, or is it good for children? And I, I I would argue that there's not a lot of clinical studies that that sh- that demonstrate. Um, that demonstrate the effects of light therapy for either patient population, whether it's pregnant moms or, or children. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that enrolling children, babies, and pregnant mothers in a clinical study is very, very hard to do. I mean, right. want, it, it's, it's, it's going to be pretty, pretty hard to find a, a, a mom that's pregnant that wants to like enroll herself in a clinical study with everything else that's going on. So, and those so studies kinda, may not even be approved because in case there was a danger, they don't want to, you got it. They're, they're like unethical studies, right? <laughs> yeah. You're spot on. So, yeah. but, but I, in, in theory, again, so, so with anything, you know, I'm not a physician, I'm not a doctor. So, you know, cons- I, I always, I always say consult with your, you know, your trusted healthcare providers. Some may just not, may, may not be overly familiar with light therapy. So ideally you're, you're consulting with a healthcare provider that's somewhat familiar with light therapy. But, um, but in, in terms of theory, like I can tell, or, or just anecdotally, our, our kids use it all the time. We have kids, our, our kids range from age six to 15. They, they use it all the time. Um, there's really no, there's no hypothesis. I, you know, I haven't heard a good hypothesis that would suggest it's not beneficial for children. Um, and then when it terms of pregnant moms, because of the overabundance of stem cells and stem cells are very, there's a very high level of mitochondria in stem cells. You know, Dr. Michael Hamlin, who I mentioned before, he actually theorizes that you're actually getting even more benefits uh, during, you know, mom and, and, and baby are getting even more benefits during, during, uh, during that time because of the overabundance of stem cells um, or the overprevalence of stem cells. So again, it's, the- it's theoretical for sure. Um, but um, um, but you know, with, with anything uh, related to, to that a sensitive topic like pregnancy, um, well, you know, the, our default response is always try, try to consult with someone who, uh, a healthcare provider who, who somewhat understands light therapy. Always good advice. And then maybe one last question: since this is the intermittent fasting podcast, do you know if there's any difference in using red light in the fed versus the fasted state? Like, ooh, great question. <laughs> That is a great question. I, I don't think so. Um, but if you end up getting the, 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 the docs from signature health, they very well probably have a good, have a good, uh, rationale as to, as to where you may get benefits, you know, whether it's during the fasted or, um, the fasted state or the feeding state, but that's a really good sort of a tantalizing, tantalizing question to to consider. (laughs) I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I would hypothesize that it would be something that the fasted state would would be the time to do it. That would be my hunch. I feel like it would catalyze it. Well, because yeah. you know, in the fasted state, you've got autophagy ramping up. You've got all these different processes. It seems like to me it would stimulate that. If I had to guess, I'm just guessing. I made that up. But it just <laughs> theoretically seems like it would. Yeah, that's what I've been thinking. Yeah. Fascinating. Also, Scott, what is your personal favorite benefit from red light therapy for you? I, I would actually go kind of harken back to our earlier conversation with sleep. Um, there's, I, I notice a, 
if I've, if I've haven't used light therapy for a couple of days, I, I definitely notice a difference in sleep quality. So I would probably say sleep is the number one, um, benefit. And then I don't, I don't have, I mean, you know, knock on, knock on wood. I don't, I don't have any sort of like back pain or, um, I, I'm like my, my workouts aren't like killer workouts where I'm just killing myself. So I don't, I don't have like that, you know, that massive lactic acid buildup, you know, after workout. So I don't really notice those benefits as much, but sleep quality and then skin health are probably the two biggest that I, uh, that I, that I notice personally. Perfect. And like, like I said, for me, it's been, the skin quality has been insane. Um, I think the mood, just the mood effect has been really evident for me. And then also the hair growth. I've really seen a difference there. It's just really amazing. Um, well, do you have anything else you'd like to touch on or any other topics or anything else you'd like to tell listeners about your devices or red light or anything? No, I, I would just say, um, you know, the, the one, the one sort of lasting thing I'd like to leave with, with people that are listening is, is just try to be more aware of how, you know, sort of the, your, your light diet, so to speak, like how much natural light are you getting versus, you know, um, artificial light, uh, during the day. And there's a lot of benefits to just natural light. So if you don't have the budget to purchase a light therapy device, just try to try to be more proactive about getting getting more natural sun, sunlight. Um, so that that's probably that'd probably be step step you know step one is just be more aware you know of 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 the artificial versus the natural light you're getting on a on a daily basis. And then two, you know the the, the science is really clear with respect to you know red and near infrared light therapy. And so, you know, if you have the budget, I, I'd recommend investing in, in some type of device, whether it's a, a handheld device or a larger system like ours. But just make sure when you're kind of doing your research, look for those key things, you know, make sure you understand the wavelengths that are delivered from the device, the power uh, that's delivered from the device, not consumed, but delivered from the device. And then again, you know, whether whether you want to use a full body system or a, a handheld, just kind of be aware of like how you're going to use it. Um um, cause if you're just looking for spot treatments, you know, a small handheld device could work perfectly fine. So yeah, those are kind of the three, three, three big things when it comes to, you know, doing, doing, doing good research uh, on light therapy devices. That is awesome. <laughs> so for listeners, I know there was a lot of information and we covered a lot of stuff in this interview. So if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 77, we're going to put links there to all the stuff that we talked about, um, the different studies. And then also for listeners, we'll, ha- we'll have links there to the Juve device and you t- to the Juve website where you can look at all of those devices and check them out. And you can also go to juve.shop slash IF podcast. And that's our personal referral link. And if you purchase a Juve device through that link and forward a copy of your proof of purchase to Melanie at ifpodcast.com, we're actually going to send out a free gift to listeners who do do that. But I honestly, I really can't recommend these devices enough. Uh, they've just been the one, I, the juve that I got has just been absolutely amazing. And I've seen so many benefits. And now I just want to do red light therapy all the time. Um, it's absolutely amazing. So again, if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 77, like I said, that's where all of the links will be, the links to the juve, to the references, all of the things. And when I do finally write my epic blog post on red light, which is the next one in the to-do list, I will put a link to that there as well. 
Also on our website, ifpodcast.com, you can subscribe to our podcast and you'll get the episodes downloaded each and every week. You won't even have to do anything. If this was your first episode that you listened to, maybe you found us because you were looking up Red Light and you were looking up Juve. Um, we typically run a listener Q&A format on our podcast, so we answer tons of listener questions and everything related to intermittent fasting. You can submit your own questions for the podcast on our website, or you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com. Also on iTunes, you can subscribe to our podcast and you'll get the episodes downloaded automatically each and every week. You won't even have to do anything. And while you're in iTunes, if you'd like to write a brief review as well of the podcast, that would be super appreciated. And then you can also get Jen and I's books or Jen and my book. <laughs> um, so Jen has Delay, Don't Deny and Feast Without Fear available on Amazon. And I have What When Wine. Then last few things, you can follow us on Instagram. We are IF Podcast, and you can follow us on Twitter. We are the IF Pod. So, Scott, thank you so much for, for this interview. And it was fascinating. And I really loved the uh, the nitty-gritty science of everything. There's it seems like there's oh, yeah. just so much. There's so much information. We could probably talk for hours. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. Like I always it's always a, a topic that I love I love talking talking uh talking about. So Really appreciate the, the the time and your uh, your willingness to have me on the show. Well, now I really want to juve, like for I real. Know. <laughs> time for you to order one. You're gonna love it, though. I, I think it's gonna yeah because we talk a lot about all the things that we like and we you know we both like the vibration machine. Oh, I love. But that, I think yeah. I think this might actually. I, I could like hang it in front of the vibration plate and like do them both at the same time. Oh my goodness! I'll be vibrating inside and out right? while fasting. It'll be all the things. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. That thank was a great you. episode. I hope that I'm pretty sure everyone learned something today. I mean, really. Oh, I, I learned a ton. I learned a ton as well. Oh, cool. No, I, th- thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thank really, you really so much. It. All right. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.